0: What's going on, everybody? This is Alex Fishbein, back again with The Atlantic Files. And I know I've been on a little bit of a hiatus here. I was actually, uh, I actually took a trip to Idaho to visit uh, a friend and his family. And now I'm back, and I am still not getting any sleep at all, like usual. So, you know nothing has changed anyway I told you guys I would talk about the Celtics in the next episode and that's what we're here to do but before I do that as usual we are brought to you by basketball society online.com make sure you check out the website we have a lot of great content on there we also are covering a few college teams this year we just had one of our writers go and cover the Princeton University game we will be covering Columbia University and we may have a couple other colleges in there as well that we are covering and we will bring to you guys the exclusive content straight after the games. We will have some write-ups for you there. And we will also be tweeting along and posting some things from those games on our social media sites. And that is at b society underscore and our Instagram is at basketball society underscore and we are also on Facebook at Basketball Society. And, of course, we are also part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network, so make sure you check out those other podcasts on this network. Some great, great, great sports podcasts for pretty much any sport you can think of. Definitely give those a listen as well, and make sure to subscribe, of course. Oh, and, you know, if you could drop a five-star review, that would also be great. I mean, any reviews really do help, but, you know, the five-star ones, those are some good ones. (laughs) Um anyway, so jumping into the Celtics, what I wanted to do here is kind of, you know, do a little bit of a comparison from last year's team to this year's team and also do some comparisons for the players individually. Now, the biggest difference if you haven't been watching the Celtics, uh, if you have been watching, you probably know this already is their defense Uh, this year. The Celtics defense is actually the number one rated defense. They have been playing at a very, very, very high level on defense and it's been Transitioning into their offense, which is why they've been able to sustain such a big winning streak. I mean, a lot of people have been wondering well, you know, Kyrie and Isaiah Thomas weren't they kind of like a 50 50 trade, maybe like a 52 48 kind of trade? But a lot of times people take for granted just the fact that Kyrie's bigger. Like, we knew that Isaiah Thomas wasn't a great defender, and on top of that, he wasn't that big, and that kind of contributed to the fact that he wasn't a great defender. And we also knew that Kyrie also wasn't a great defender. But the difference between six foot three and five foot nine in just terms of playing the passing lanes or putting a hand up in someone's face is a big difference. That difference in um in reach, in length in just height, and just, you know, the ability to get in the way of people, and get in the way of someone's vision, is just a big factor in and of itself, but on top of Kyrie being the bigger player, he's also even improved his own defensive output, and right now as Kyrie as the leader of this team the fact that he's leading not just by trying to talk to these guys and say like hey I've been to a championship I know what I'm doing like we I went and won it I've been to the championship the last three years with LeBron and learned from under him blah 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 he's going out there and leading by example he's not just talking these guys' ears off and saying, look, you need to do this if you want to win, or you need to do this if you want to win. And that's a big mistake, I feel like, that a lot of those guys who have the championship uh, uh, pedigree and the championship you know, experience sometimes do when they go to new teams and try and lead that new team. I feel like a lot of those guys kind of, you know, almost expect the other players to to follow them and to do what they do just because they were in the championship. No. Just because you were there doesn't mean you can automatically lead a team. That just—that's not how it works. Just because you were there— I mean, you could have been one of the guys on LeBron's team that has been to the finals one of the last six or seven times and be one of the worst leaders in the entire NBA. Just because you were there— doesn't mean it's giving you the necessary tools to be a leader like LeBron or to be a leader like a, a, some other championship guys that have been able to lead their team there. So the fact that Kyrie is doing it by example, the fact that he's going out there, giving his everything, the fact that he's making the extra passes that he really wasn't before, and the fact that he can, you know, that that, that, that we have proof of him on the sidelines showing guys like, hey, look, we need to do plays like this or we need to switch it up like this, and he's leading that charge. He's not just saying, go out and do it while I do my own thing. No, he is setting the example and letting the guys follow behind him. I mean, just looking at his defensive rating right now, he's at a 97. His The best defensive rating he had in any year prior to that was a 106. He's also having his second best offensive rating, sorry, third best offensive rating season so far. One of them was with Cleveland before LeBron came back, or no, I'm sorry, that was the first year LeBron came back, and the other one was last year. Uh, He has a 111 offensive rating right now, he had a 116 and 117 in those other years, and um, as far as defense goes, he's averaging the most amount of steals he has. He almost has two steals a game. Um, he's also right on par with the same amount of blocks he's been getting. His defensive box plus minus has been is in the positive right now, which is the only season so far that it's been in the positive. It was in the negatives every other season. He has his highest box plus minus overall. Um, and even on top of that, he has his highest win shares per 48 and close to his highest uh, PER of his entire career for a season. And this is just like we're watching Kyrie fully mature right before our eyes, and not a lot of people really realize that. Like a lot of people are kind of taking his time with the Celtics right now completely separate from the time that he was with Cleveland But if you compare the two, and if you look what has made him this player here in Boston from those years in Cleveland, it is a very, very cool-looking story. Like, it is, you know, when he first was drafted to those pitiful Cleveland teams when LeBron left, up until... When he when LeBron came back and he actually won a ring with LeBron and now at Boston with a team who's good enough to make the playoffs and and he is able to be the leader, this is kind of what Cleveland was hoping he would be before all of a sudden LeBron came back. They were hoping that Cleveland is going to get this kind of team that Boston has, and that uh, the 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 Cleveland fans were hoping that. Kyrie was going to be this leader on Boston, with this team on Boston, but in Cleveland. Like, that was the hope. Now Cleveland is left with an aging roster, and LeBron is pretty much having to do it all by himself because Isaiah Thomas isn't back yet. And meanwhile, Kyrie is enjoying a very, very healthy win streak, as well as enjoying it as a team. Like That is an underrated aspect of basketball that not a lot of people talk about is the chemistry factor of when you start winning as a team. Because then guys start having more fun. Guys are smiling more. they, They are more willing to sacrifice for the good of the team, for the good of the other player, their teammate. And that in general is going to translate into wins. That in general is going to it's going to get you to where you want to be in the long run. And LeBron has to sit back and see the Celtics enjoying all of this success so far while they're struggling, while they kind of have some issues there with the team because guys just aren't playing well or guys are hurt and they can't really do anything on defense. Like, LeBron has to play on a team who is dead last in defense and watch his former running mate and former elite point guard play for the number one defense who also has about like the, who's in the the top half of the league in offense as well. And on top of that, they are on, what, what was it, 13 game win streak now? Oh, right, and the Cavs were struggling to beat teams like the Nets and Orlando and Detroit and teams like that. Hmm, right, yeah, I can see why LeBron might post that Arthur meme. Just saying. Um, But looking at the, the Celtics as a whole, as a team, one of their biggest weaknesses was rebounding. That was, you know, that was something that everyone has harped on that they need to improve and that they, you know, needed to, that they desperately needed to get better at if they really wanted to have a chance. Well, so last season, they were 27th in the league in rebounds per game. They were averaging about 42 rebounds a game. They're 27th. That's only third from last. This season so far... They are the number one team in rebounding. In rebounds per game, they're at 47.6. They are number one, and that is in large part not only to Horford and the fact that they got Aaron Baines, but when Marcus Morris came back, he's now averaging 5.7 rebounds a game. Tatum is averaging 5.7 a game. Jalen Brown is averaging 6.7 a game. And even Terry Rozier is averaging 5.1 rebounds a game. These guys are rebounding as a team. And they don't even have Gordon Hayward right now, who is a decent rebounder from the wing himself. So adding the, the fact that they improved in the aspect that everyone has been stabbing them at, Is a huge part in and of itself. Like, they essentially went from last to first in terms of rebounding. And that's something that not a lot of people are talking about. So, based off of, like, the the rebounding, I mean, this goes with the fact that other teams aren't getting those second chance points. Because... If you're not like if they were 22nd in defensive rebounds, and so in in that aspect, you're giving up a good amount of offensive rebounds. Now they were giving up around 10.8 a game, which wasn't terrible, but now this se- excuse me this season they're giving up eight and a half a game that's already two rebound two offensive rebounds less for the other team which means that's less second chance points which means the Celtics are scoring more points than them because they're not giving them any second chances and that is a big part of the game because if you see any team that ends up winning a championship most of the times they get they either have to shoot the lights out or They have to get second-chance points, and that's what puts teams over top of other teams. And if you're limiting those, all right, you can put two and two together. I don't have to walk you through the entire thing. (laughs) Now, in terms of their offense, though, uh, like like in terms of points per game, they aren't number one. I mean, they're they're averaging about 102 points per game, but their defense— They're only giving up 94.5 points per game. Actually, yeah, only 94.5 points per game. That's number one. That's first overall. Like, their defensive rating, 97.8, first overall. Their offensive rating, 106.2, is about 17th out of 30. But... You know. If you're turning defense into offense... I think you're good for right now. (laughs) But the thing is, so one thing that I thought was kind of mind-boggling is that the Celtics have the number one defense. Usually when your defense leads to offense, that means your pace is super, super fast. Their pace is 24th in the league at 96.6. They're one of the slowest teams in the league doing really mainly half-court offense most of the time and they're still on a 13 game winning streak like we've seen time and time again that usually the faster pace now in the NBA is the the better way to go but Boston is doing this the old school way they're they're locking down on defense they're taking their time on offense and they're beating teams that way and a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, wait till they face the the Golden States and the the, the Houston Rockets and the, the Cavs and blah, blah, blah. They did beat San Antonio. They beat Milwaukee, who's going to be one of the top teams in the East. They beat uh, Miami, who's going to be another playoff team, most likely in the East. They beat San Antonio by tw- uh, 14, sorry. Um... They also beat OKC almost by 10. They beat them by 7. Uh, when Orlando was on their big win streak, they beat them by a lot. They they have taken care of business. They beat Charlotte, who's most likely going to be a playoff team. They beat Toronto, who's going to be a playoff team. Like, the Celtics have faced some decent teams. Now, overall, their strength of schedule so far hasn't been amazing, um, in, according to basketball reference right now uh for their strength of schedule rating they have like a zero being the average and right now they're at a negative 0.93 for strength of schedule so it's not amazing but it's not terrible they still have faced some good teams they do face golden state uh this on thursday today technically and so That will be a very interesting game to kind of gauge and see where the Celtics are in terms of championship contention. In the East, you already know they're a contender in the East. This is dry cut, a given a foregone conclusion that they're a contender in the East. But what we really need to see is whether or not they're a championship contender against the likes of the Golden States, the Houston's, The I mean, even even though they beat the OK, even though they beat OKC, you still have to see if they are that championship material. And the only I don't want to say the only way, but the best way of finding out is how they answer Golden State, how when Golden State goes on their their big runs, when Durant, Curry, Clay start hitting those shots, when they start getting, you know, like really electric and hitting all of their threes and everything and getting into the paint, how do they answer those kind of runs? Will this defense be the same against a team like that? Because, I mean, there really is no defenses that really stop them. There's only defenses that kind of slow them down. So the the big question here is, What will this defense look like against that kind of team? And how are they going to respond to the tough moments of the game against a team like Golden State? Because that will go a long way in telling us what kind of contender the Celtics are just an Eastern Conference contender or an actual championship contender. Um, but going over some of these other guys here, like Jalen Brown, who has really stepped up for them. I, I already told you how much he's been rebounding a lot more. La- his rookie season, he was only averaging about almost three rebounds a game. He stepped it up to 6.7. He stepped up his assists per game. He stepped up his steals per game. He's scoring more than double the amount of points per game. Obviously, some of this is because of the added uh, playing time he's getting, sure we know that but on top of that he has shot better from three point i mean he shot about he's shooting about 37% now he, he was shooting about 34% before um Overall, field goal-wise, his percentage is 1% less, but he's also attempting more than double the shots now with the, the minutes that he's getting. Especially with Gordon Hayward out, they're going to rely heavily upon Tatum and Brown, so they're going to be putting up even more shots. And so we're going to see what kind of efficiency these guys can have when they have to you know, put in a high volume uh, of shots. Um, and so while he's doing this, he's only turning the ball over 1.6 turnovers a game, and usually with a guy as young as Brown, you usually see those turnovers really skyrocket, but his turnover percentage has been less than last season as well, with his usage percentage, percentage even going up, and his defensive rating last year was a 110, but this year it's a 98, so it's really... Like it's really promising seeing where Jalen Brown is improving in, and and the fact that he's showing he can give you quality minutes when you have to bump his minutes up like this. Like for instance, last season he was averaging only about 17 minutes a game. He's at 31.9 right now, and a lot of the times with younger guys like that, you get a lot of mistakes when your minutes get spiked up like that. And especially because they are relying upon him to do a lot. But he's proving that he can handle it and that he is going to give the Celtics a quality run when he is on the court. And he's been big. I mean, but not it, it's not just him either. You have Jason Tatum, a rookie, who has been playing... Great for Boston right now. I mean, Tatum, averaging 30 minutes a game, is scoring 14 points a game, 5.7 rebounds, 1.5 assists, almost 1 steal a game, while shooting 50% from the floor and 48.9% from 3-point. And he's only 19 years old. I mean, this guy has stepped up and has given the Celtics... Great, great time on the floor. He has been able to come up big in a number of games so far, and the fact that he's playing with a guy like Kyrie Irving and Al Horford who can open up passing lanes, Al Horford especially in the passing game is is big for a guy like Jason Tatum when their big man can find them cutting like that, but also Kyrie Irving's ability to draw the defense into the middle of the court and kick it out to Jason Tatum, Tatum's been thriving off of that kind of thing. And that has been, you know, great for Tatum's learning curve as he's going to continue to progress. And it's great for Tatum to really play with a guy like that so that he can find his own open spots. And when you bring back a guy like Gordon Hayward, it's only the floor is only going to open up more for Tatum because teams will have to worry about Hayward as well. So, Jason Tatum is proving to be a very, 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 very nice draft pick. And Jalen Brown, also nothing to laugh at either. So, I don't know if you guys watched the game. I literally just finished watching the game. It was the Sixers versus the Lakers. Joel Embiid just put on one of the best individual performances so far in this season. I would say it's right up there with James Harden and LeBron James. He just dropped 46 points, 15 rebounds, 7 assists, and 7 blocks against the Lakers, shooting 14 for 20 from the floor. He only put up 20 shots and had 46 points. He shot 2 for 3 from 3 point and had 16 of 19 free throws. I mean, Embiid, there wasn't a single big man in in Los Angeles that could stop Embiid because he fouled out. He made DeAndre Jordan and Willie Reed foul out for the Clippers. And he was just eating Lopez, Bogut, and Randall alive the entire time they were on the floor. I mean, Bogut was only in there for about 20 minutes. He was minus two. Lopez was minus 11. They only had him on the floor for 16 minutes. He wasn't making, a, he wasn't making many shots, and he was just getting beat badly on, on defense. And then so obviously they have Randall in there for his contribution on offense, but then Randall fouled out. He played 30 minutes, fouled out because Embiid just, I mean, embarrassed him in the fourth quarter, like flat-out embarrassed him. This guy, Embiid, is insane. Oh, and if you were wondering about Ben Simmons, he had 18 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds, and 5 steals. Um, And this is all with the Sixers without Markel Fultz, I just wanted to say. that's It's just insane. These guys are crazy. And so, that's it for me this week. I had a short episode for you guys this week. Um, I apologize, but... Uh, There, there's also no out-of-bounds segment this week because I've had a lot of stuff going on here with traveling and work and all that kind of stuff. So um, I haven't really had the time. Like right now it's 1.50 a.m. So I should probably get some sleep before I, like, keel over and die of sleep exhaustion. I think that's a thing, right? That's definitely a thing. I'm pretty sure it's a thing. I'm going to say it's a thing. Uh, Anyway, I will be back next week with our Nets correspondent, uh, Mike Bash. He will be here again. We'll talk some nets, and we'll just talk some basketball in general. So definitely be on the lookout for that. And make sure you guys check out the Underdog Sports Podcast Network and BasketballSocietyOnline.com as usual. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Atlantic Files, and I'll catch you guys next week. Peace.